word grace is probably the word that I that I gravitate to more than anything for both my life as a person, a child of God, my life as a servant of God, my life as as the husband of an amazing woman, my life as the father of amazing children, my life as the father of amazing kids who've married amazing people who have amazing grandchildren. And, you know, when I look at all that, I go, but for the grace of God, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. This is The Calling with Steve Smith, a Family Life original podcast that talks with pastors about the professional and personal challenges they face in their mission to lead others to Christ. Our guest for episode 11 is Michael Stevenson, a former pastor and now a teacher at a Christian school. Talking with Michael Stevenson here on The Calling, an interesting perspective, Michael, because I've talked to pastors who have retired. I've talked to pastors who are currently in the pulpit, uh, all uh, kinds. So let's talk about your journey uh, of where uh, you were a pastor as far as uh, the calling. This is what the podcast is called, how you were called to the ministry and uh, take us through the journey of where you are today. Well, I... uh... God called me to the ministry first when I was about 19 years old. I grew up on Long Island, and I was raised by a single mom. My my family is very dysfunctional, probably on steroids. And um, but um, I was walking. I was going to a community college, Suffolk Community College, and I was walk, I was studying to be an accountant because I thought making fifty dollars an hour sounded like a great thing. And um, I was going to a. Uh, to a church on Long Island as well, and um, I had a I had a youth pastor who really encouraged me to really think about going off to Bible college. And at 19, I was walking across the quad at the community college, and the Lord really kind of spoke to my heart about doing something with my life that would have eternally eternal significance, um, as opposed to just making fifty dollars an hour. And that really was the beginning of the Lord starting this journey of, of calling me to, to serve him, which really, it was just a big picture. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do something with my life that had eternal significance. Now, my youth pastor was a guy named Bill who went to Lancaster Bible College in Pennsylvania, so he encouraged me to do that. So this, th- the first part of my calling, I'm about 19 years old. It's the spring of, uh, of 1979. And so that, that, very shortly after that, I enrolled at Lancaster Bible College, and I started there. That was in the fall of 1979, and graduated from there in 1983. That's where I met my bride, Diane. And um, and so we we went from there, and, and I, really, um, I really thought that I was going to end up going into youth ministry because I'm a youth pastor. I loved the whole concept of, of working with teenagers. I've always loved the Word of God, and um, so... I thought that that would be a great outlet for me to, to serve him. Well, I, I at, during my time at Lancaster, I got involved in a uh, in one of the choirs called the Good Life Singers, and the director's name was a man named Craig Wagner. And Craig had me as the chaplain of the choir for my last two years there, and he encouraged me to switch my major to pastoral studies. And the way that he sold it to me, Steve, was this. He said, look, he goes, the, the Christian Ed tract is great for methodology, but the pastoral tract is great for principles, which has um, far greater application of ministry 
in a much broader sense. And so I switched my major and, um, you know, it, it uh, and went from there. Um, we graduated. Diane and I both graduated in the spring of 1983. And then we got married in August of 1983. And then we started serving the Lord in a number of different venues um, as a youth pastor at the beginning. Um, I quit the ministry for a year. Um, it was really, really difficult for me back there. I, I, uh, I had very thin skin when I first started. I had a utopian idea of what ministry was going to be like. Everybody's going to love me, yada, yada. I think a lot of guys probably think that, but my skin was really too thin at the time. And so um, I, uh, I quit the ministry. We were there about 21 months, and we lived with Diane's folks for about, oh, seven or eight months. And do you remember the story of, uh, of Barnabas and John Mark in the Book of Acts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know— uh, Barnabas was uh, to John Mark what my father-in-law was to me. And um, I, I left the ministry believing that I'd go back, but not really able to handle what I was dealing with from a criticism standpoint there in, in Connecticut. And uh, so, you know, eventually uh, the Lord led me back to an assistant pastorish, a pastorate in South Buffalo, and then from there to a number of other pastorates um, after that. How many other, uh, pastors have you run into over the years who, uh, took a, or had similar feelings that you did? It's like, wow, this pastor thing isn't all what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, just, I'm, I'm sure there's a variety of struggles that they went through. Uh, did you have other pastors to, to talk to about that? Um, you know, probably the back then, and this is in the, in the middle eighties, um, and so back then it was my father-in-law, he was Barnabas to me. And, and, you know, he, he really encouraged me in, in a way without making me feel guilty about the fact that I wasn't in the ministry anymore. The devil was really good at doing that on his own. Um, but so dad, dad would invite me to, to do a lot of different things. He'd take me on visitation. He was pastoring a church in Western New York, Rockland Baptist church. And, um, so, uh, he, he, invited me to preach from time to time. And uh, so, you know, really got me moving back in that direction again. But um, I haven't met a lot of guys that have dealt with, with that at aspect of, you know, the, the challenge of the ministry from a utopian standpoint, like, you know, everybody's going to love you type of thing. Um, I think guys are probably a little more wiser now than I was back in the day. <laughs> Yeah. Take us up to current day. Uh, so wh where are you now? What are you doing? And uh, just where does God, where has God placed you today? Yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, we uh, Diana and I, I was a pastor at the First Baptist Church in Medina, New York, from 2011 till last July. And over the, the two years prior to that to last year, I went through a really difficult faith crisis, wondering if I should continue or or not. And so I finally came to grips with the fact that that um, it was time for me to to stop pastoring. And so I resigned last July, and then in the fall of uh, of last year, 2022, I started teaching at a Christian school in North Tonawanda, the Christian Academy, Western New York. And I'm, I'm back working with young people again, uh, teaching God's word and, you know, math and science 
Um, and I, and I love it. I've always loved the, the communicating part of ministry. Um, but for some reason it, it, um, it wasn't, uh, for me to, to continue to, to just go on at first Baptist church and, and just quote, retire from there. Um, I'm, I, you know, turned 64 just a couple of weeks back. And so it's, you know, I'm looking at that part of, of life and when, you know, when to stop and how much energy and all of those other factors that go into getting older. Um, but yeah, so I'm, so I'm going into my second year there and, um, and it's been great. I, I really love being in, in a school environment. I've always loved the educational part of ministry anyway. Um, so, but, but being, uh, at a Christian school is, is quite different than pastoring, but it's, it's fascinating as well. But what's interesting about this, Steve, is the fact that I get these calls from time to time to fill pulpits. Hmm. And, you know, so I still have uh, that part of the ministry um, to to lean into, which is fascinating because when when I was at Lancaster, I told a story of how I thought I was a Christian ed major. My my major shift to pastoral studies happened in in December of my sophomore, my junior year. And I was you know, I had Craig Wagner, my uh the choir director encouraging me, but I was going through first Peter in my regular quiet time and I'm using King James Bible. And so I get to chapter five and it says to feed the flock of God, which is among you and take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, not lording it over God's people, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory, which fades not away. And those verses just, jumped off the page at me, bit me, and consumed me, really. And that became what my life was all about. It's about feeding others the Word of God. And I know, you know, other translations have, you know, um, other takes on it. But but that was that was the way the Lord used it, that, that God was going to use me to feed His people the Word of God. And so um, I have this opportunity from time to time, which which is it, it's great to be a blessing. Um, you know, when you're a child of God, a servant of God, that's really what you want to do. You really want to serve. You really want to help others. So. I want to ask this question, and it's and I want to be tender and asking, and I don't mean for you to answer it in a critical uh, way uh, and not talking about even any prior churches, but you, you come from a, or in a unique situation in that the, you pastored for a long time. Now you're teaching. We're talking with Michael Stevenson. Um, and what do you see now as you're, I guess, kind of on the outside of pastoring, even though you've been in it for, for so long, what, what are critical needs of when I say the church, not, not the churches that you were pastoring, but um, now that you're on the outside looking in, uh, what, what do you see the, the struggles are of, of the local church and where are needs, or does that vary from church to church? Well, I'm sure it varies from church to church. I, I really kind of try to shy away from, from being, you know, a person that, that knows a lot of stuff like that. I, when people come to me and ask me for, you know, um, direction, that type of thing, I say, well, you have, have you sought God for wisdom? But, but I, I understand the, the question. It, as I look, you know, especially after having come through COVID the way that the church did, and I've heard some things from, from other people, too, with regards to what the church has gone through with, with COVID, I wonder if the way that we do church really needs, we really just need to blow it up. Um, and figure out a way of 
making disciples, of loving people, loving God, you know, worshiping the Lord in spirit of truth, all of those those key things that God says do these things. I think so often we major on the minors and we don't we don't major on the majors enough. Um, it um, so you know it's uh but it's it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating time to to be alive and to be a servant of god yeah and church is getting i don't know again if you if you went through this or i i've talked to some other pastors who have that struggle of the balance of the uh okay well uh we need to serve this portion of the church the elders the the elders of the church uh, you know they're the ones that are the, like the backbone of the church and they're the ones that just honestly give the most and then there's the younger part because we, we we need to get younger and we need to get the the younger people in there to keep the church vibrant and all that kind of stuff. Was was that a struggle? And is that a is that a balanced struggle that uh, that you find maybe not only for you but uh, from other uh, other pastors you talk to? I don't, I don't I don't know that it that that was a struggle for me. I think for me, and you know, it, it's interesting. Part of part of my story was. I was at um, my first church where I served was in 1983. Diane and I got married in, in, in August and in September. I became a youth pastor in a church in North Stonington, and I went through a, a real difficult time there. And criticism was difficult there. And I said earlier that my skin was too thin. And and I it wasn't so much because of the fact that, you know, I, I had an emphasis on one area of ministry or another area of ministry. It's just that I couldn't handle a lot of the criticism that would come my way going into the senior pastorate. I, I would trust God that, that I would do the things that he wanted me to do, um, you know, and to really focus on the people that he wanted me to focus on. And one of the things that I learned was I try, I tried to be like Jesus. I mean, you know, if, if there's ever a model for ministry, it was what Jesus model was in the gospels where it's fascinating how he ministered to a lot of people but yet focused most of his attention on 12 people. And so I really tried to focus from a time standpoint, from an effort standpoint, um, on on those people that, that God uh, drew me close to and drew close to me, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, so that, yeah, th- there's older people there, they need to be ministered to, but it's not it's not the pastor doing all this ministry to all these people. It's God using a pastor to minister through others to everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Talking with Michael Stevenson, and and you touched on this earlier, Michael, that uh, how you grew up in in your home as a as a as a kid. If there's anything opposite of a pastor's kid, I guess that was you, right? Well, yeah. It, it my my background is is. Um, you know, you, we throw around the word dysfunction and I'm, you know, I, over the years I've come to the grips with, I think that dysfunction is, is the, the human condition, but it's just a matter of degrees. Um, you know, we, I think we all have, have, um, areas of that, but I grew up in a single, in a single parent home. My, my parents split up very, very young. I was probably in, I don't know, six or seven years old when my father left. And so my mother was left to raise five of us and uh, did it on welfare because back in the 60s, women didn't work full time. They stayed at home. And so, you know, grew up in that environment, didn't really go a lot of places, didn't really do a lot of things. But my mother was a very spiritual individual. And it's interesting that we grew up in the, in the Catholic Church. And, but later in the late 60s, 
my mother got really tired of the changes that were happening in the Catholic Church. I think that happened because of Vatican II, which was in, I don't know, 65, 66, 67, something like that. And so we started to go to a, to a Lutheran church around 1970 or so. In 1971, I was going to a Sunday school class in a Lutheran church led by a man named Mr. Frankel. And it's October, and I'm 12 years old. And Mr. Frankel talked about heaven and hell, and that is when I got saved. Um, but, you know, growing up in the home that I did, um, it, it um, to, to go into the ministry from that was 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 challenging in the sense that um what i was raised with was very very different from the kind of life that that god wanted diane and i to have together and raising kids um you know the dysfunction you know would rear its ugly head in a lot of different ways from uh emotional health to a lot of other things um it, it let me tell you one story from my background when i was 10 my father lived in um in upstate New York with, with another woman and her family. And he came down and he wanted to, to take us upstate for a few weeks in the summertime, just to enjoy the country. We were raised on Long Island at the time. And so he took myself and my brother up there. And so it's the end of the summer. And my, my father, um, we, we knew that this was happening and, um, but didn't tell my mother about it. And he, abducted us and took us to the west coast um and so we're there with with his um new wife he married her before he divorced my mother her name was barbara she had five kids and so that was a a mess of trying to navigate so we get we get to uh to the west coast and uh my mother found us through the school system in i don't know november or something like that and um I'm trying to remember where I was going with this story, but it, um, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought there. Sorry about that, Steve. That's okay. We were just talking about how, um, you know, you came from the opposite of, of a PK. So you've had to go through the struggles. What I was thinking of when you were talking there is that the world percentages, uh, say that your life should have been a whole lot different than it is. Aren't you glad and thankful every day that God's world doesn't work on percentages, huh? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think where I was going with that is is that the word grace is probably the word that I that I gravitate to more than anything for both my life as a person, a child of God, my life as a servant of God, my life as as the husband of an amazing woman, my life as the father of amazing children, my life as the father of amazing kids who've married amazing people who have amazing grandchildren and you know when i look at all that i go but for the grace of god it's just a powerful powerful thing and when i was one of the one of the stories was when we were on the west coast i'm 10 years old at the time i i was so homesick that i tried to run away from home Hmm. and i put my thumb out to hitchhike and a car pulled over now imagine I, I can't I've, I've told this story to my to my wife and and, you know, to others over the years and wondered what in the world would have happened to Michael if I would have gotten that car. Mm. But I was so scared. I ran back to the house and eventually my mother came out and, you know, came took a bus out to Oregon where we were living and and brought my brother and I back home. But 
you know, that that's part of the grace of God. I'm 10 years old. This is before I trusted Christ as Savior. And the Lord had secured me, kept me by his grace, even then as a 10-year-old, knowing what my future was going to be prior to any of that stuff happening, that God had his had his protective hand on me, not allowing me to get in that car. Um, who knows what would have happened, where I would have ended up. I, you know, I, sh- I shudder to think. Um, but again, the grace of God, you know, the grace of God, it's just, it's a powerful, powerful thing. One of your kids, Jay, who for people's background works here at Family Life in the IT department, uh, gave uh, in our weekly staff meeting and he gave his testimony uh, a few weeks back. And and when he was telling a part of your background and speaking of grace, how powerful it is to him even today, even though he knows that story. I mean, he was brought to tears in a a good way. I mean, you could just feel it because he's so thankful that God uh <laughs> took a hold of your life because he knows his life could have been so much right. different than it is so nothing better as a parent as i know to see your kids uh come to the lord on their own not being forced into it and 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 right. i know you live that that grace and that thankfulness every single day don't you yes sir yes sir amen well, Michael, uh, we appreciate uh, you taking the time to to chat with us. Uh, what age What age kids are you teaching now at the Christian school, or will you? It's be? middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I have some contact with high school from time to time, but but uh, most of what I do right now is with sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. So it's uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to really you know invest in the next generation, and you know it's. Uh, it's we're we're thrilled at, at Connie that that parents still see the value of a Christian school education and will entrust their young people to us to be able to have them on a regular basis and impart to them not just you know reading writing arithmetic so to speak but God's word as well and and following Christ as a lifestyle and holding Jesus up not just as an example but as the Son of God the Savior of the world and um, you know so it's it's exciting and thrilling to be a part of that. I'm looking forward to seeing, and I, I say this half in jest, but I really would be. It's like the movie, the Michael Stevenson story. It would be quite a, because it, it wouldn't be about you. It would be about what God has done in your life. But, I mean, you've yeah. seen, you know, it's just amazing uh, how God can take uh, a willing heart and uh, turn a heart into, uh, but not only you, but the legacy into generations to come. Well, I appreciate that. And that, you know, it's, it's I I'm a, I'm one of the, one of the, the things that is a regular part of my life is gratitude. I remember when I was in Bible college, we had one of our professors who, who encouraged us to journal. And one of the things that he wanted us to do as we journal was to write the things that we were thankful for. And I remember those first journals that I wrote, I would write and I put a number by it, what I'm thankful for. And I got into the thousands, <laughs> but it just, it's, it's saying thank you on a regular basis is such an important part of the way that we live as a children of God. And, and, you know, when you, when you understand, you know, a little bit scratching the surface of the grace of God, because it's such a big thing, you can't totally understand it completely. Um, you know, it does give you a thankful heart and it, and it is a very thing. I mean, I was, I was, you know, preparing for today, thinking about all of these things that get God's grace does. I mean, you know, God's word says it saves us, uh, it helps us to stand. It strengthens us. It secures us. You know, it speaks through. I mean, they're just. I mean, it's just. 
there's over 100 references to it in the New Testament. So it is a really big concept. But but for the grace of God, Steve, it just it really boils down to that. Michael Stevenson, thank you. Well, thank you very much, Steve. God bless you and your audience. You've been listening to episode 11 of The Calling, a Family Life original podcast for pastors. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it with others and click subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Be sure to check out all of Family Life's original podcasts, including Therese Talk, If That Makes Sense, The Powerable Podcast, and Business by the Book. You can find them wherever you download content or at familylife.org. Family Life is a not-for-profit listener-supported ministry, relying on your generous support to make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can get involved when you go to familylife.org.